Today on Stick to Football, we have a great show for you. Connor and I testing a little bit of video. Hopefully you'll get to see us on this as we work from home. Rocking the hoodies like a couple good frat boys, but we do have a lot to talk about. We're going to go through free agency, the trades that happen. We're going to answer some of your draft on draft questions. But Connor, let's just start right here, buddy. Off the top, Tom Brady announces Tuesday morning that he will be leaving the New England Patriots after a 20-year run. I have been bullish on this for weeks saying... I just can't imagine him leaving. For me, it was more about Robert Kraft not letting him. And then secondarily, where was he going to go that was as good of a fit to win right away? Ian Rappaport is saying the Chargers and Buccaneers are the front runners. We've we've heard this, I feel like, for three months. But there could be others who get involved here. But Brady is officially leaving the Colts. Or excuse yeah. me, leaving the Patriots. <laughs> leaving the Patriots. It's uh, so much news coming in. I saw that, and we'll get to it, but Matt had a report today that um, you know, Philip Rivers and the Colts are all but done. So I'm sure that's on your mind as well. But let's start with Brady here. I- I'm surprised as well. I agreed with you on this podcast that it felt like New England was the favorite. They obviously were for a long time. Robert Kraft has come out and publicly said it. He's like, this is not how I wanted this to end. So I think there was a different kind of relationship there between the owner and Brady compared to Brady and Bill. I'm curious, Matt, as the details trickle in, how much of this was Bill? As we do follow some of these details, it almost seems like there wasn't a ton of communication between these two sides leading up to free agency. And maybe it was, you know, a leverage pull from each side and neither side caved. And that's how we got to this point. And for Tom, we've heard rumblings over the last couple months that he wanted more weapons in New England. And if you look at the spots that are open, especially the Bucks. I mean, there's just a plethora to work with there, Matt. It's not even the coaching staff. When you look at the receiver that Chris Godwin has turned into, we know that Mike Evans is almost on a historic pace right now to his career with how consistent he's been. Obviously, both of those teams would have to draft offensive linemen to protect Brady, but there are some positives on the Tom side of why you could see he'd be open to a change. And the Patriots side is the one, Matt, that I'm actually struggling to figure out. Yeah, I am as well, Connor. I know our guy Mello, who will be back with us on the Friday show, Stidham was his number one quarterback in the 2019 draft class. He loved Jarrett Stidham. Uh, I I think that that is definitely an option. Also, could we see Andy Dalton come in for a year or two? Yes. Could we see Teddy Bridgewater come in? Absolutely. Could Nick Foles be an option? I think there are endless options for the Patriots. But one concern here is... We've been talking about this a lot lately. They don't have the cap space that you would expect for a team that just lost the greatest quarterback of all time. They're up against it when it comes to the cap. So they're not going to just, let's give Teddy Bridgewater $30 million a year to come in and hopefully be our guy. I think they almost become a team that had Marcus Mariota not going to the Raiders. Someone like that may have been a pretty good fit here. So we will see how much the genius of Josh McDaniels, what can he do with a Jarrett Stidham? What can he do with... You know, if they do get Teddy Bridgewater or Andy Dalton, there are some, you know, like baked in fits like Dalton, who the Bengals are probably going to try to trade. If he doesn't go to Chicago, he might make some sense in New England. But it's a it's a whole new era. And I think for fans in the AFC East, especially after seeing what the Bills did on on Monday, th- there's a changing in the guard that we expect to happen. This Patriots team is old. They're old at every position. And they, yes, they have a good defense. That defense got cooked the second half of the season last year. So I think it's a the, the table is set for the Bills. We'll see what the Jets and Dolphins can get done. But I, you know, for the first time in twenty years, the the AFC East does not run through New England. 
Without a doubt. I think what's interesting to me is New England was making a lot of moves yesterday that felt like they were going to give this thing one more shot. Right? When you franchise tag Joe Tooney, who was one of the best guards in football, you brought back both the McCordys. It just felt like, hey, you know, we have some good veterans here that are really good players that we're going to not let hit free agency. The New England way for a while was... Listen, we don't always bring our guys back that are destined to get big free agent money on the market, assuming they want to at least test the market. We could replace that through the draft, uh, low-value trades, low-value or middle-tier signings. So it is interesting. I thought they were a little bit aggressive yesterday and made some nice moves to retain good players, but Brady was not a part of that. So now I'm fascinated to see what the contingency plan is, You know, whether that is Andy Dalton, whether that is Teddy Bridgewater. But you highlight the biggest point, Matt. For the first time, the AFC East door is wide open. I mean, besides a cup of coffee one year from the Dolphins and one year from the Jets, as far as I can remember, this has been all New England since Brady got there. I mean, the one time the Jets beat them in the playoffs and the one Chad Pennington year the Dolphins uh, beat them in the division. So it's kind of crazy how long this has gone on. And the team I didn't mention that wasn't a part of that, that I think has the best chance to be in the driver's seat with the big trade of Stephon Diggs, is the Buffalo Bills. I mean, they have surrounded Josh Allen with more talent possibly than any young quarterback in football, whether it's the offensive line, whether it's the three wide receivers, whether it's the running backs, the great defense, good coaching. This thing is on Josh Allen. I think anything but winning the AFC East would be a major disappointment for Buffalo. Yeah, it absolutely will. And we'll we'll get to Buffalo a little bit later as we run through some of these teams. Drew Brees, Connor, officially back with the Colts. Uh, No surprise. Excuse me. Gosh, dang it. I'm going to keep saying Colts because that's what's in front of my face right here. Drew Brees officially back with the Saints. There we go. How about that? Two years, $50 million. We expected this all along with Drew Drew Brees. Uh, He said, hey, if I come back, it's with the Saints. They said they wanted him back. So no surprise here. But they also tendered Taysom Hill with that first round rate. So they are set quarterback back up. Saints are rolling into 2020 with the expectation that they are still in a very good win now window. We have not seen a ton of other moves from this from this ball club. And again, a team that's not exactly swimming in cap space because this is a roster that's built to win right now. According to Spotrac, they have $5 million in cap space. Uh, that's even with the new adjusted salary cap. So the Saints w- should not be expected to make a lot of big moves here. No, and I think they were comfortable enough with their roster last year. Young players getting better and obviously the draft this year, where they feel like they can give this thing one more run. So I understand that train of thought. I would do that too as well if I was the Saints. So when you and maybe there's some, you know, some low value trades they could pull out there, or maybe a mid tier or, or tier three kind of signing when they move some money around, they could make map. But you're right. I mean, this is a team that's just kind of saying, hey. Let's get the band back together one more time. Let's give this thing one more run. We feel really good about the group we have. And one underlying factor is, I think a healthy Alvin Kamara can make a big difference for this football team. Without a doubt. That is a huge part of this. And they feel like that defense is still developing. So the Saints are in pretty good shape right now. Uh, we'll see. The, the NFC South could get interesting if Tom Brady joins that. Now, finally, to the Colts news so I can get this out of my brain. Texting with a Colts source on Tuesday morning, I was told the Phillip Rivers deal is all but done. Something that really started at the Combine has heated up to this point. 
I believe right now they're just waiting to announce it. The Philip Rivers is going to be the next quarterback of the Indianapolis Colts for weeks. We've been saying on this show, I've been writing it in articles, been tweeting about it. We did not expect the Colts to draft a quarterback in the first round. Well, this is now definitely going to happen because they trade for DeForest Buckner. They trade the 13th overall pick to the 49ers for one of the best defensive tackles in football. They give him a $21 million per year extension. And now I'm told they're close to signing Phillip Rivers. So the Colts roster looks dramatically different right now than it did when the league year started. It really does. And this is a football team that the rebuild is over. They want to win. Chris Ballard, Ed Dodds, that coaching staff that has familiarity with Phillip Rivers, they want to win. And, and Matt, you said this for a couple weeks leading up to things that you know don't connect them to a quarterback like Jordan Love just yet. Let's see what they do with that first-round pick. I remember you said they were going to explore the Jadavion Clowney market, which should really give you the signs that they were always exploring getting a premier pass rusher or premier player up front. They say, hey, we're not going to go the free agency route. We're going to get a guy that we think is worth our first-round pick, which he is. DeForest Buckner 100% is. Let's make that clear. Uh, make him you know, kind of the face of this defense, the core up front, especially him playing alongside Justin Houston next year and some of the young pass rushers they have. Now they go get a veteran quarterback because they feel good about that offense. They got Anthony Costanzo back on a really, really good value two-year deal. This is a Colts football team that they're seeing Jacksonville blow that thing up. They might be saying, hey, maybe the Titans caught lightning in a bottle. We think we're better than them. They're seeing Bill O'Brien drive himself (laughs) the wrong way down the highway. I mean, he is literally driving down the wrong side of the highway right now. The Colts are laughing and saying, let's take this thing over. And something to note with the Colts, they still own picks 34 and 44 overall in this draft. So while they don't have a first rounder, they have the second pick in round two and then the 12th pick in round two. So they still have draft capital. That's ammo. Chris Ballard has done a very good job of, of retaining capital. We joked about it during our combine show with Julian Molinaro that they've been a hoarding picks and cap space. We finally see them use that. And one more note on Phillip Rivers. They believe that Jacoby Brissett could be a good quarterback. I would not be shocked if, if he is moved to New England. We, we talked about who goes to the Patriots now. I think that's definitely on the table, but some to consider here. They believe they are in a win-now mode in Indianapolis with some of these young contracts. Phillip Rivers has experience with Frank Reich. He has experience with Serrani. And he has experience with Jason Michaels. Three coaches for the Colts who've all been with Rivers at some point when he was with the Chargers. So they believe this is a plug-and-play situation. Might not be better than Jacoby Brissett's ceiling, but they know what they're getting. And there's a lot of belief in Indianapolis that a good offensive line, at least better than what he had last year with the Chargers, is going to help him out. Uh, I would not be surprised if we see them address the wide receiver position with one of those two uh, picks early in the second round. Or if they want, Matt, they could package those picks and get whoever they want. I mean, that's the beauty of this thing. So, yeah, I mean, this is how Chris Ballard operates. You always leave everything on the table to pivot backwards, to pivot forwards. I know for Colts fans, and I understand it, We've been preaching patience for this franchise for a long time. Just be patient. Let them build this thing out. They don't really... I'm actually shocked, though, I will say. I've been of the thought they want... And Andrew Luck retiring on a whim changes things really quick. I've been of the thought that this is a team that was trying to build maybe a five- or six-year window, and that's why it was taking this long. Now it seems like with Rivers, they're going to work in a two-year window and go from there. Now let's go to the other side of this DeForest Buckner trade because it shocked everyone. As the resident Niners fan on this podcast, it rocked me on my heels. I could not believe it. When Armstead re-signed, I even, I think I sit in our group text, like, the wall is back together. We got Armstead, Bosa, Buckner. 
looks pretty dang good up front. Now DeForest Buckner traded. The 49ers have picked 13 and 31 in the first round. If you're a nerd like me, you love that symmetry. But, Connor, Mello and I did a little mock draft exercise on Monday night. Jerry Judy fell to the 49ers at 13, and I basically ripped my clothes off and ran around my house. I was that excited. It feels like the Niners could get one of the big three receivers in this class. The run on tackles is going to happen. The quarterback run is still going to happen to some extent. And we could see one of these receivers fall. It feels like, you know, Oak, excuse me, Las Vegas at 12, San Francisco at 13 is where we, and then Denver at 15 is where we could see these receivers go. But with Emmanuel Sanders, a free agent, the Niners love Debo Samuel. Jalen Hurd's going to be a little bit of a, an offensive weapon, not a true wide receiver. And now they re-signed Jimmy Ward, so you don't even have to go safety at this spot. It feels like the Niners are in great shape to get a wide receiver. It really does. And Matt, you compare Jerry Judy to Odell Beckham. Odell Beckham is the guy Kyle Shanahan has been chasing through trade opportunities for a while now. And the Browns just beat him to the punch when it came to trading with the Giants just because Dave Gettleman did not want to send Odell Beckham within the conference. That's the only reason Odell Beckham is not a 49er with Kyle Shanahan. Now you go get that guy in Jerry Judy. And if he's not there or you like someone else better... I like C.D. Lamb a little better, but I think Judy's a better fit for Shanahan's offense. Henry Ruggs is the fastest player oh, available. And, I mean, good Lord, it wouldn't shock me if he was the first wide receiver taken. So you look at the Niners at 13, I'm excited to see, not who they take, to see which receiver they draft in yeah. this thing. Feels like it's going that direction. And, again, they're all three fits. You know, I think C.D. Lamb's route running, how physical he is would be a fit. We know the Niners love speed. Henry Ruggs is definitely a fit. And then Judy's just all-around game would be phenomenal in that offense. Now, speaking of wide receivers, we expected Stephon Diggs to get moved. Did not see it coming in the way that it did. Traded to the Buffalo Bills. Uh, and again, the fact that we talked about the DeAndre Hopkins trade on Monday, Stephon Diggs now traded on, on Monday night. Two of the best receivers in football get moved. And for Josh Allen, no one could be happier in the world right now than Josh Allen. The Bills trade a first fifth, sixth, and a 2021 fourth rounder. So the Vikings now own number 21 and number 25 overall in the first round. You would think that receiver is going to be a need. They do stuff Adam Thielen. Corner is still a big need. You could probably cross Trevon Diggs' name off of your Vikings wish list, uh, Stefan's little brother. But uh, a big move for the Buffalo Bills, who tried this last year to get Antonio Brown, that backfired, which blessing in disguise for them. But now they get their guy who can hopefully extend this passing game. And I, I've been talking to Bill's sources for weeks about this, that where this wide receiver class was going to break was probably going to be right in front of them with the Philadelphia Eagles right there. Your chances of getting a top-tier receiver were starting to look pretty bad. And so now, excuse me, the Vikings will have 22 and 25 because the Eagles are at 21. The Bills now get their marquee wide receiver without having to use a first-round pick. Yeah, well, they use one. It's just yeah, that they, they use get it, right? the guy. I mean, listen, this is the rare trade that I feel like both sides win. The Bills paid a very pretty price for this thing. Wow, that's a tough one. Paid a pretty price. But when you look at this, uh, listen, you give up a first-round pick, you give up a couple day three picks. They had to do it. 
because you have Josh Allen there. You want to set him up for success. They're going the anti-New York Jets Adam Gase way. Sam Darnold has literally no supporting cast. Josh Allen now has an offensive line. He now has a productive slot receiver in Cole Beasley, a productive deep threat in John Brown, and a productive number one, probably the best route runner in all of football, in Stephon Diggs. So when you look at this thing, how it's set up right now, they've done a phenomenal job. For the Vikings, this divorce felt like the time, Matt, where you go back to therapy over and over and over again, and and then you walk out of therapy and and you know either the husband or the wife are, are tweeting that they still want to have this <laughs> right? thing. So I, it just had to end. And I I saw one thing I will say. Diggs is on a very good market value deal. I think that's going to get ripped up for a new contract. I think low-key, that was part of this thing. So don't get too excited on the money thing just yet, the Buffalo Bills. But you should be excited to have a player like Stephon Diggs in your offense. And for the Vikings, you got the capital back that you needed to hopefully replace him. You can't just replace Stephon Diggs that easily, but you have enough picks where I think you could find a receiver in this draft where you get enough production surround him on a rookie deal next to Kirk Cousins' mega deal and Adam Thielen, and I think you can get this thing right back on track. And the Bills have the fourth most cap space uh, right now. So they could fit it easily. They can make it work. And we're seeing that market get reset a little bit with Amari Cooper getting a $100 million deal. Five years, $100 million is what was reported. We'll wait and see if that's accurate or not once these deals can officially uh, become uh, official. But good for Amari Cooper. I'm a little surprised Dallas has paid everyone but Dak Prescott. It did come out late Monday night that they have restructured Lyle Collins and Ezekiel Elliott's deals to get some more money under the uh, under the cap here. Feels like Dak needs to be next, but good for Amari Cooper, who it looked like his career when he was with the Raiders was going stagnant, goes to the Cowboys, plays like a number one wide receiver again, and now at 25 years old gets five years, 100 million with 60 million guaranteed. And they had to do it. You hear all the rumblings about their friendly foe, the Washington Redskins coming out, offering big money for this guy. You had to get it done. Listen, it's you can't let Amari Cooper shake free and then pay Dak. You need this core together. So they dragged their feet on it, Matt. It took a little while, but they got the deal done. That's all that matters here. Amari Cooper back in Dallas where, let's be real, Amari Cooper's a guy that there was mixed things written about in Oakland, whether you know they were still high on him, whether he was still high on them. I think he's been very content in Dallas. This is really putting your money where your mouth is, but also committing to a team that... He's been vocal about that he wants to be with. I like this for both sides. I don't think Cooper going elsewhere would have ended very well. And Connor, as we're talking here, Tuesday morning, Ian Rappaport just tweeted that Cam Newton has been allowed to seek a trade. Uh, didn't know where this was going to go all offseason with Matt Rule now. Basically the czar of football for the Carolina Panthers. But Cam Newton could also be on the move. It's funny because we had connected him to the Chargers a lot. Not from sources, just from, hey, that'd be a really good fit for them. If, if the Chargers don't get Tom Brady, which I, I actually think there's a great chance they will. If the Chargers don't get Tom Brady, it seems like they probably want to make a run at Cam Newton. They have to do something, right? I yeah, mean, you got to do here. We've sat here for a while and said, listen, they probably need to take a tackle with that first-round pick, and it kind of leaves your the problem with that you can't just take Justin Herbert, or you can't just move up for two at Tonga Vailoa. You really need to build this offensive line. I think they've put themselves in a position where they're going to try to do that in the draft, and that's why you're seeing them go after veteran quarterbacks right now. 
And another thing, Matt, this is a stadium that had no fans in it last year. You got to get a name find, in there. Yep. You got to get a name in there, whether it's Tom Brady, Cam Newton. Uh, you need something to bring in the people. This is something that has to happen. So I understand it. I hope to see, I want to leave it like this. I want to see a healthy Cam Newton this year. I want to see him bounce back. I really would like to see him. You know, get that career back in the driver's seat because when he was healthy, let's not forget, this guy is an MVP caliber yes. football player. Yeah, I don't think the Patriots are in on this, by the way. I, I know everyone on Twitter today is the Patriots should trade for Cam Newton. I do not believe that is the path they're going. I continue to believe that they like Jarrett Stidham a lot there, but Cam Newton's landing spot is going to be fascinating. How about this one? The Chicago Bears. Uh, we've said before, maybe Ryan Pace wants to you know save some face, doesn't want to make a move for a big-name quarterback like this, but like getting Cam Newton almost exonerates you a little bit of if he's healthy, like you just said. Hey, we had a chance to get a guy who was an MVP when healthy, so we had to do it. So you're not completely throwing Mitch Trubisky under the bus, but you are upgrading. And and I think he would be a really good fit in that Matt Nagy offense. I think so, too. And they need to do something, right? I mean, got to do something. Do, yep. Doing something isn't trading for Nick Foles or trading for Andy Dalton. I'd like to see them, you know, be a little bit more proactive than that. Go out and get a guy that you know is going to elevate this offense that so desperately needs to be picked up while we said on the Monday show they have a defense. We know they have players on this team. They need to get more out of the quarterback position to get back into competing for the NFC North. Yep, absolutely have to make some moves. Some other teams that we want to run through, and we're going to give you our favorite moves, but some big moves made by the Miami Dolphins. They give Byron Jones a bank, basically. They get Kyle Van Noy reunited <laughs> with Brian Flores. Eric Flowers, we talked about giving him three years, $30 million, which it seems like everyone got. I don't know if you caught that. Every deal was three years and $30 million. They also add Shaq Lawson and Emmanuel Ogba, so three key players in the pass rush that they've added here to the Dolphins. And again, this is a team that has five selections in the first two rounds. So seems like they're loading up on defensive ends, on pass rushers. We've said before, we feel like this is a weak class after uh, Chase Young, maybe after Caleb on Chase on. The Dolphins pick at 5, 18, and 26. So by 18, you're probably looking for that offensive tackle. By 26, you're probably not getting a very good defensive end. So I, I like the moves here. Emmanuel Ogba was leading the Chiefs in sacks before he got hurt last year. Shaq Lawson, a good young player. Kyle Van Noy, intimately familiar with that defense they're going to run in Miami. Without a doubt. And I think even with that sack number, I think a lot of the guys they signed up front are predominantly edge-setting run stoppers, which will matter a lot to Flores in this. I like the Byron Jones signing the best because you have probably one of the best man cover corners in the entire NFL to pair with Xavier Howard, possibly the best corner duo now in the NFL when Howard is healthy and right. Uh, Byron Jones, I've said all along, is a guy worth overpaying. I'm not overly excited about signing Eric Flowers or Shaq Lawson, but Byron Jones is a premier player where you you know you could see Flores now running his defense through oh. that cornerbacks, dialing up pressure, leaving those guys on an island, and they can they could succeed doing it. He got a Stephon Gilmore, right? I mean, Byron Jones exactly. is such a good athlete. I know I said it yesterday on the show, but he was not put in positions to succeed as much in Dallas as I think he will be. At, in the Miami defense, so a great fit for him. How about the Cleveland Browns? They came out. We didn't know what Andrew Barry would do. Are they going to save money? Are they going to hoard picks? Nope. They came out, signed Austin Hooper. They signed Jack Conklin. They said, boys, we are spending some money. Baker Mayfield has to be so, so happy right now. 
I mean, speaking of quarterbacks that have a great setup, I went through it with Josh Allen. I mean, come on down, Mr. Runner-Up Baker Mayfield right here. You now got a good right tackle. You have a great pass-catching tight end. You have Odell Beckham and Jarvis Landry there. You have Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt at running back. This is an offense. These are I like these moves a lot. I want to be very, very clear about this. I don't care what they paid. I thought the Jack Conklin deal was actually pretty good value overall. So, I mean, while the Jets and Joe Douglas were asleep at the wheel, the Browns came out swinging and did a very good job for their young quarterback getting two key pieces that are going to help this year. And I'm going to bet on a Baker Mayfield bounce back. I, I do think they still should draft a tackle with the 10th overall pick. But if they do that... This offense is set up to not only power run the football, but also work the middle of the field now with a really good tight end. You still have a deep threat in Odell who can really do anything, and a possession guy in Landry. I don't want to buy into the hype again, but I I really like the Browns personnel. I, I feel the same way, and it's like, I look at this, the Browns personnel, Baker now could throw to the middle of the field. I actually think they'll probably keep David Njoku because they'll run a two-tight end set under Kevin Stefanski. They can, we know they can run the ball, and I agree with you. I think left tackle is still the need at 10 overall, whether that's Mekhi Becton or Jedrick Wills, Tristan Wirfs, Andrew Thomas, whoever it is. One of those four tight ends uh, will definitely be, one of those four offensive tackles definitely be there. And now you have these two tight ends who can just dominate up the seam. It feels like the Browns are poised for a bounce back. They still have some needs on defense. A couple other moves. Washington Redskins bring back Kendall Fuller, a guy they traded to the Kansas City Chiefs for Alex Smith. The Giants land James Bradbury. That was a huge signing that set the table, at least, for Byron Jones to then go to the Miami Dolphins. The Giants also get Blake Martinez. No moves yet offensively for the Giants. Offensive tackle still, I think, an area where I really thought they would be very involved with uh, the Jack Conklin signing. Uh, yep. has not been uh, announced yet how involved they were, but at four overall, it really just feels like the Giants are going to go offensive tackle. It does, and they should. Now, what's interesting to me with the Giants is a lot of their fans have been very vocal to us that they want Isaiah Simmons there, and they just gave a linebacker who is not half of what Isaiah Simmons is, but they just gave a linebacker $10 million a year. I'm not a very big Blake Martinez fan, so I would not hold back from drafting Isaiah Simmons if they feel they still need help there. But let's be real. We've been saying all along, the move is to protect your quarterback. When you're picking in the top five like they are, you're probably going to have your pick of the offensive tackles. Jedrick Wills, to me, is a perfect fit for them. I think he would be a plug-and-play starter. He'd keep Daniel Jones upright. He'll get the run game going with Saquon Barkley. The Giants' free agency has been kind of eh for me so far. It yeah. seems like Gettleman, Gettleman got his linebacker. Uh, shocking. He's always after linebackers. He paid a corner that he drafted that is overpaid but is a solid starting corner. But I like that at least they are filling some defensive holes right now where They're leaving the door open to offense because, once again, the theme of this show has been help your young quarterback. I hope the Giants do that for Daniel Jones now in the draft. Yeah, and I'll tell you, it's early. Um, We'll see how much things change, but I've heard they really like Tristan Wirfs there, so another name. And that's a good pick, too. Would be a great athlete at the tackle spot. The Broncos went offensive line. We talked about this player on Monday, Graham Glasgow. I was was all aboard him going to your New York Jets. Thought he would be a perfect fit there. The Broncos paid him. They now have Glasgow and Dalton Reisner uh, as their bookends there. I think both will play guard. Glasgow can play center, but the Broncos, man, I like what John Elway is doing here saying, I have my quarterback. I have a good wide receiver in Cortland Sutton. 
We got Noah Fant. We got Dalton Reisner. Let's continue to try to build this thing offensively. They have not been super aggressive yet in free agency, but we'll see what they do uh, over the next couple days. It's not always who comes out of the gate fastest, something to remember. Uh, we'll see what the Broncos do. A team, not a ton of cap space. They have about $36 million to spend. There is some room there. And then one thing, Connor, you said the theme of the show is help your young quarterbacks. It's also the D-line. We've seen the interior defensive linemen get paid, but also prioritized by good teams. I saw Daniel Jeremiah tweet this. The Eagles got Javon Hargrave, a move I know you like. The Ravens got Michael Brockers and Calais Campbell to play next to Brandon Williams. And the Colts trade a first-round pick for DeForest Buckner. If you're an interior defensive lineman, you're being prioritized right now. I think that is great news for Derek Brown and Javon Kinlaw, who should both probably be top 13 picks. Yeah, I mean, listen, you look at these moves on the D-line, they're loading up right now. But for value, like you said, Matt, look at what Baltimore did. Calais Campbell for a fifth rounder. Michael Brockers, quietly one of the better defensive linemen, or at least stout and reliable, for not a ton of money. And the Colts getting a superstar. The Eagles, I'm going to get into more of that later when we do our superlatives on favorite moves. But Javon Hargrave is going to eat in that defense. Free agency is about 24 hours in, and so we're going to go ahead and give you our favorite and least favorite moves of the day, and this will continue as we get through all of free agency. But, Connor, let's start with our favorite moves. This one hurt my heart when I saw it because (laughs) I love DeForest Buckner. He's actually – we don't talk a lot about this because we're all – fans of a lot of players. Buckner was my favorite 49ers player. So now he's a member of the Indianapolis Colts. I love this move for Chris Ballard, who, like we said, still has two early picks in round two, still has a ton of money to spend, and is getting Phillip Rivers at the quarterback position. So I love getting Buckner to be the face of your defensive line. you got Darius Leonard behind him. You have a defense that now looks very, very good in Indianapolis. It really does, and it's going to help those edge players a lot. I think when you look at what Devo can do there, you know, the Colts are going to be a nasty team on both sides of the trenches, and that's a team that nobody wants to play. And speaking of the trenches, I love the Eagles signing Javon Hargrave because this is one of those moves that is going to unlock this guy's potential right now. And I'm not saying he's been, you know, not a productive player with the Steelers, but you look at the last two years, four sacks in 2019, six and a half the year before that. I would bet with the Eagles, he's a double-digit sack player. I bet this guy gets the 10 sacks, $13 million a year, $26 million of it is guaranteed. It really just means that two out of the three years are guaranteed. He turned 27 years old this offseason, so you're getting two years of him before he turns 30. They're going to let him loose. He's going to be allowed to go. He's a very, very good player. He was a good third-round value pick by the Steelers a couple years ago. Now the guy gets paid. He's in a scheme where he's built to thrive. I love Javon Hargrave for the Philadelphia Eagles. They are going to be a nasty, nasty defensive line up front. It's like they were already a good defense, and you have Jim Schwartz, who's a very good defensive coordinator. Uh, They're going to be in pretty good shape. I liked Hargrave a lot coming out of college. He was a small school dude, and that was a very good draft class, but I liked Hargrave a lot. Um, I mean, I know there were some like first, second round talks, so again, like you said, a very, very good value pick where they got him. How about your least favorite move. This one is very easy for me. Bill O'Brien apparently is going cabin fever, stir crazy with the quarantine. Trading DeAndre Hopkins, not getting a first rounder, getting David Johnson, whose salary you are paying all of, and then you sign Randall Cobb, who also can't stay healthy, to a big contract. He is paying Randall Cobb and David Johnson as much as he would pay DeAndre Hopkins as a top-tier wide receiver. 
hate the move, hate the return on investment. I have no idea what the Texans are doing. And I'm such a Deshaun Watson fan, and he is just being given an absolutely terrible start to his career with what they're doing tearing apart this roster. I mean, there is no other worse move. I didn't write a different one in because this is by far the worst move we have seen, not only this year. This is the worst free agent move we've seen, uh, free agency era move we've seen in years. I mean, what are you doing? You're not getting value back for him. You're taking back a running back that's worn down, and you're eating all of the money. You're not getting draft capital. Matt, they traded away Jadavion Clowney and DeAndre Hopkins. They did not get a single first-round pick back for those trades. That is hard to do. I I feel like 99% of the listeners of this show could sit in a GM chair for the first time and orchestrate better trades than what Bill O'Brien has done. It's really it's sad to see, and I like that you bring up the point this is wrong to do to Deshaun Watson. This is one of the game's most exciting young players, and this is not helping him. This is significantly hurting him. I'm very disappointed in the Houston Texans as a franchise right now for letting it get to this point with Bill O'Brien. And by the way, they still haven't paid Laramie Tunsil, who they traded two first-round picks for. So, I mean, what, gotta is do there that a plan too. there, or they, they wake up every day and go, you know I don't what, know. let's sign Randall Cobb today. After trading our star receiver. Of of all the receivers you could have gone after, you go after it's, Randall Cobb. It's, and if you actually had draft picks, you wouldn't even have to worry about any of this. That's a huge part of it, too. Ken, and you have Will Fuller, who can't stay healthy. I like Kenny Stills, but he's a good number two or number three. So, poor Deshaun Watson. Um, it, it's sad to see. How about best overall team moves? A lot of teams have made big moves. We talked about the Dolphins. Uh, the Bills obviously pull off the trade for Stephon Diggs. Mine is going to be the Baltimore Ravens. Not only did they load up on defense getting Michael Brockers and Calais Campbell, they got a second-round pick for Hayden Hurst. Hayden Hurst has done nothing. He's their number 3 tight end. They don't have a need for this guy who, yes, you can now say it was a bad draft pick. He has not been able to stay healthy. And you got a second-round pick back from the Atlanta Falcons. So Eric DaCosta, year two as a GM, still keeping that Ravens mojo alive of just doing amazing deals from that chair. So I love what the Ravens have done here. The Ravens have absolutely crushed it. They've done a phenomenal job so far. I'm going to go with the team in the AFC that has also done a great job, and that's for the second year in a row, the Buffalo Bills. Highlighted by the Stephon Diggs trade, that's what everyone's seeing. That's what everyone's thinking. I agree. It's a huge splash move. But quietly, Matt, they re-signed Quentin Spain, who was phenomenal last yes. year for three years, $15 million. $15 million. A lot of the guards that hit the free agency market or got franchise tagged are getting that this year. Quentin Spain is getting that over three years. So Brandon Bean, number one, is a very patient man, but at the same, he's patiently aggressive. He sits back, he lets the whole thing play out, and then he knows what he has to prioritize. He does a phenomenal job with that. McDermott you know, understands the personnel he needs to make this thing work. And they brought back, they get Mario Addison as a situational pass rusher as well as another move for this team. So the Bills, they did make a splash move this year. They don't always do that. It's a lot of the moves that aren't splashy that have helped this team slowly start to build up to take over the division. And I know this is a draft podcast first and foremost, and we love the draft and the the hope and the potential of players. You're not getting Stephon Diggs at 22 overall. No, he's the like, best route runner in football. Right, and like you might get lucky, you know, somehow a Michael Thomas falls to round two, but the chances are very slim that you're getting an impact like Stephon Diggs at 22 overall. So love the move from our guy uh, Brandon Bean to get this done. How about worst overall team moves? 
I'm going to double dip here and take the Houston Texans, trading DeAndre Hopkins, and then adding David Johnson and his bloated salary. You had Carlos Hyde run for 1,000 yards. You have Duke Johnson. You don't need David Johnson and his busted-up body. And we've had David on the show. Love David Johnson. He's done, and he's being paid like one of the best running backs in football. I just do not understand what Bill O'Brien is trying to do here. Well, you're not alone because nobody on planet Earth understands what Bill O'Brien's trying to do. And for my worst overall team moves, and this could change in wave two and three, but it's the lack of moves by the New York Jets' new front office on day one. And you're going to sit here, a lot of people are going to sit here and say, well, give it time. They can't come out and make the splash signings. The top offensive linemen are gone. Yep. There is no there's no making up ground. I do I hope they go get Dante Fowler and Jalen Mills and, and add more good starters to this defense? Of course. And they can do that, and that's great. No matter what, George Fant, you cannot come away with just George Fant on day one of free agency for Sam Darnold. They were proact they were actively after Graham Glasgow. They missed. They needed him to be a starting center right now. They did not get Jack Conklin. They were apparently putting too much eggs in the Joe Tooney basket at guard. He doesn't even make it to the market. He gets franchise tagged. I don't know how you could sit there and say, we didn't see this coming when it's been an option on the table for months now. The Jets missed on day one for helping Sam Darnold. They have not brought back Robbie Anderson yet. Let's hope they do, because if they don't, they are ruining a 22-year-old quarterback. And you could sit here. I've had people come back to me and say they'll solve it in the draft. Are you finding a starting left tackle, right tackle, and at least two interior offensive line starters in the NFL draft that you're betting on to be good players right away? I don't think so, Matt. Exactly. And you still have needs at corner, pass rusher, at least wide receiver. And and you only have so many draft picks. I mean, what I hope doesn't happen is that they roll out like a Jason Peters and Brian Bulaga bookend and say, oh, this will do for now. You know, like they have money to spend. They've been waiting for this moment. So I agree. Uh, George Fant, when you get benched by the Seahawks on the offensive line, not a good look. Not the kind of yeah, player you really want to go Signing after. a swing tackle does not solve four starting positions. Absolutely. He might be able to play all four positions, but he doesn't solve all four <laughs> positions. How about the biggest question mark move? Mine's the Atlanta Falcons trading for Hayden Hurst. You lose Austin Hooper. You trade for a guy who is under roster control, a, a very favorable salary, but someone who has not produced. I know our good friend Jim Nagy tweeted, he thinks Hurst, when healthy, is an upgrade. I have not seen that yet. But hopefully Thomas Dimitrov knows what he's doing and getting this guy because uh, it's not a good tight end class, something we've talked a lot about, which is why we've seen so much movement at this position. But Hayden Hurst just isn't really getting it done for me. I think the one that has me confused is the Lions letting, you know, if you let Rick Wagner go, I understand, maybe at a down year, but you let Graham Glasgow go, a really, really good player that could play guard or center, and then you allocate all that money to Big V from the Eagles, who, you know, has really been a backup tackle. I don't know. It's it's just weird allocation of money for me with this Lions team. Let, let's be real, Matt. They better keep their quarterback upright with the injury concerns that he's had. Not the youngest guy uh, either as he starts to get older now. Okay, best player available as we sit here Tuesday morning. It's about 1130 Eastern time. My BPA would be Jadevian Clowney. And I, I'm a little surprised. We have not heard more rumors of movement for Clowney. Maybe uh, I, I could see him being a player actually affected by the fact that you can't go do a physical right now with the team because he does have some injury Good concerns point. in his background. So that could be why we have 
haven't seen the splash move yet for J- for Javian Clowney, but when I look at just hey, who are the best hundred free agents? He would sit at the top of my list. Yeah, I, I mean, it's hard to say anyone else when you look at what he's done when he's healthy. My runner-up here would probably be Dante Fowler. I mean, 11 and a half sacks. That Rams defensive line and scheme definitely helped him. But let's be real, he's a player that's gotten his career on track after a slow start at a premium position. So I really like what Dante Fowler can do for teams that are have a lot of needs on the edge. And there's a handful of them out there where I think Fowler gets... I would I could see a two- or three-year kind of $30 million deal for, for, deal for Dante Fowler. Absolutely. Let's take a break. We come back. We are going to hit some of your draft on draft questions and, of course, any news that breaks while we're doing the show. All right. Draft on draft time, guys. Grant Gonsolin wants to know what's the the national perception of Houston football king Bill O'Brien? Because in Houston, we're not fans, especially after, after the awful DeAndre Hopkins trade. I do feel like the national perception is that he's a joke. The problem is he keeps winning enough games that you can't be like, all right, it all backfired. you got to fire him. Because I really thought after last year, like, oh, we're going to trade Clowney and not get anything back. I mean, it kind of worked. You know, like, it, I mean, getting Laramie <laughs> yeah. Tussle worked for them. And so I think you headed into this year like, okay, like, they have some picks. Uh, in the you know middle rounds, I think that eight picks before the trades. Like you have Hopkins, Tunsil, and Watson. You got that. You're probably going to be okay. You still have JJ Watt. Still have Whitney Merciless, even though they're getting a little bit older. So I think there was a belief that like this roster is not that bad. Now you're looking at we just traded one of the top three or four wide receivers in football and got nothing in return. And I think on the flip side, too, of this, Matt, is that coaches do not think like scouts and evaluators. And this is a conversation I have with NFL evaluators often that they grow frustrated with coaches or at least the bad coaches. They sit there and they don't want to go through growing rookie growing pains or they get frustrated with players that they're not used to coaching. It's something I hear with Adam Gase all the time is that. You know, he wants his guys or the guys that he inherited. He doesn't want to develop. And I understand, but the best coaches in the league just don't operate the way Adam Gase and Bill O'Brien do. They operate in a way where, and I don't want to say Bill Belichick because he's an outlier. He's different. But you look at what Bruce Arians gets out of offensive players over there. That's a good example. The same could be said about Frank Reich. There's a lot of guys across the league. Jim Schwartz on, on defense. There's so many coaches across the league. Greg Williams. For the Jets, they played street free agents last year, and they had a good, a really good defense. It's, it's just you need to be patient, and you need to work the draft, and you need to understand how to get assets back, and most importantly, you need to understand where to allocate your money. Not wanting to pay DeAndre Hopkins and dumping him, but then eating money on a running back and Randall Cobb, which combined would have been the same money that DeAndre Hopkins would have cost, makes no sense. It's very rare for like Andy Reid, Bill Belichick. We know Pete Carroll has a lot of control, but like like you said, Andy Reid can bring Damian Williams off the street and he becomes the hero of the Super Bowl, you know, 18 months later. And so I I think that with Bill O'Brien, I'm sure it's just ownership there really trust him. Obviously, they fired two general managers and he's still there. So, but again, perception around the league is he has no idea what he's doing, basically. And um, I don't I don't think it's this is going to be a happy ending to this marriage. That's not a Robert Kraft joke. Not what I mean. No. Brandon Dennis (laughs) wants to know. I know it literally just happened, but who won the D hop David Johnson trade? Guys, come on. The, The Cardinals won this. That Cardinals offense 
could be one of the best in the league this year. I would not be surprised. The, the steps that they're going to take. And now with the number 8 overall pick in the draft, you can get the best offensive tackle available. You have Kenyon Drake, who was lights out. You have Larry Fitzgerald, Christian Kirk, Andy Isabella, Kelvin Harmon, and oh, you just added DeAndre Hopkins, who's going to be so good for Kyler Murray, who, yes, Kyler needs to clean up some things in his game. I believe that he is with the right coach to get that done. So no way... Like I just the Texans would have to get like if T. Higgins fell to the second round and they drafted him, even then I wouldn't be like, okay, it's worth it. Like even the future salary cap <laughs> ramifications, you wouldn't be like, okay, now I get it. It's just it's DeAndre Hopkins. Right. It just doesn't it's, make sense. There's not like a debate where you're sitting here and going like, Well, will he be good in a year or two from now? Or like, do we need him? Like, can you imagine, Matt, how Deshaun Watson is feeling today? Honestly. And he is one of the mentally toughest players yep. in not only the NFL, but in all of sports. If you know anything about Deshaun Watson's background and everything he's been through, and uh, still, this is a very tough hurdle for anyone to really accept. Absolutely is, and it's just it's it's too bad for Houston, who has to deal with the the you know the outrage of the the Astros and now this. And the Oreo haven't talked to you in a while. Thank you for the question. Colts fans have been asking for a move like DeForest Buckner for a while. But are you surprised that Ballard made such a splash move? Not just trading the first, but also paying Buckner 20 plus million a year. I am not surprised. It feels like we've been waiting for Ballard to do this. We've been waiting for him to get the cap structured the way he wants, to have the right leaders in place, to have the right players come available to make a move like this. So I'm not at all surprised. I think something that in hindsight, it's easy to say this, but we've been saying for a while now, this draft is really deep at the top with a lot of, you know, Chase Young, Joe Burrow, Jeff Okuda. And then it, it, there, it feels like there's a drop off at 13 overall. There was a significant drop off. Once they got Anthony Costanzo back, it really felt like this was a team that was going to make a move. Uh, he's known as being aggressive. He's known uh, when he was with Kansas City, when he was with Chicago. He's known as the guy that has always favored being aggressive. So not at all surprised. I'm more surprised that we didn't see it coming. Yeah, I'm with you there too. But, you know, it, it's taken a little while to get to this point. But when you look at it, like you said, Matt, they laid a, a floor down where they had the perfect cap situation to make a move like this, one that makes a lot of sense for them. And most importantly, you're just not getting to force Buckner at 13 overall in this draft if that's the position that you really wanted to be aggressive at. And, and I mean, this guy is, he just turned 26. Just turned 26, I believe, unless I have my dates wrong here. But, oh, he turns 26 today. There we go. So as we're recording this oh, show. Happy birthday. Happy birthday to Forrest Buckner. Go enjoy that new contract. <laughs> $21 a year, yeah. He just does things from that position that maybe three guys in the NFL do. That's special. It really is special. And I think for the Colts, you know, are you are you taking a swing for the fences by gambling on Phillip Rivers? Yes, you are. But this does not feel like that kind of gamble. This feels like a slam dunk trade. Absolutely does. And I think it's a good trade for both teams. I know everyone wants I agree. to do who won the trade. You gotta wait to see who the Niners draft, but this is a team who was already up against the cap and had no picks. They didn't have a pick in rounds two, three, and four. Now they have two first, so they can get two top tier players, or they have flexibility to trade back if they want and acquire more capital. So I think the 
initial reaction is both teams did very well in this trade. Last question from our guy Patrick Chamberlain. With the Niners and Vikings both now having extra first-round picks, how do you expect they'll use them? I think the Niners, like we said at the top of the show, you can go wide receiver at 13. You can go interior offensive line at 31 with someone like Cesar Ruiz if he's still there. That's where the need is. You could also go corner and A.J. Terrell, Jalen Johnson. Jimmy Ward being re-signed, I think, probably eliminates someone like Xavier McKinney if he were to be there. With the Vikings, 22-25, and 25, I still still feel like this is a team that could be an Austin Jackson landing spot at offensive tackle. It could be a wide receiver landing spot with a T. Higgins, but the Vikings not as easy to pinpoint right now. Yeah, I mean, they need a wide receiver and they need a corner. That's what it comes down to for me. The question is, will there be the corner there uh, that, you know, is good enough in that spot? Wide receiver, though, feels like a no-brainer. You just you can't go into this year with just Adam Thielen and, and pray that Kirk Cousins elevates all these players around them. That's one reason why I like where the Vikings are heading right now. I'm pretty confident they're going to replace not all of Stephon Diggs' production, but they'll get an adequate player at wide receiver, maybe even two in this draft for that offense. Yeah, and I will say I like Rick Spielman. I like Mike Zimmer. I think they're in Minnesota. I think they're they have good people there, and they're, they're gonna fo- fo- they're well thought out. They, they are. You right. know what I mean? They're always a couple years ahead of things. Yep. So, and, and we've seen reports that hey, Diggs wanted out. Uh, they got a very good return for him, a lot better than Houston got for DeAndre Hopkins. So, uh, again, another trade where I liked it for both teams. All right, that is our show. We will be back Friday morning per usual, and we'll see what the world looks like then. But as always, <laughs> everyone, please like stay safe, stay home. If you if you don't have to get out, don't get out. Wash your hands and, and take care of each other. Let's all be a little bit more patient, a little bit more kind, and we'll get through this together. And we will be here for you guys on Stick to Football. For Connor, it's Matt. We'll talk to you real soon. 